0: Forty years ago this year, I found my favorite band. I discovered my musical brand, and for 40 years it has been and will always be Rush. And it didn't start with a song, it started with a sound. Welcome to a special end-of-summer edition of the Power Performance Podcast. My name is Jason Diaz. When I say it started with the sound, it's because the first time I heard that sound, I was at Kirby Junior High School. I went to junior high school, not middle school. And so ninth grade was our last year at Kirby Junior High. And we had a jukebox in the cafeteria. And I think you put a quarter in there, and you could hear two or three songs. This is the era of the great bands. I mean, the bands that were being played on that jukebox all year Ario Speedwagon, Foreigner, Journey, Van Halen, Judas Priest, Def Leppard, just so many, so many great bands. It's that era. And, however, the the cafeteria is very loud. You know, the clatter and the talking and the laughing and the farting and the cursing of hundreds of junior high school students. You couldn't really hear the songs if you weren't standing right next to the jukebox. But I would always hear That sound. Well, anyway, moving on to summer of 1982, my brother and I swam competitively for our country club. I lived in Woodlake. We were members of the Woodlake Golf and Country Club. And in the mornings, we would get up and go to swim practice. Well, we had a new innovation in those days called cable television, which meant Channel 27 and MTV. So in this incredibly robust time for rock and roll, now you have this new dimension where you can actually see the bands, and you're discovering a lot of music that they're not playing on the radio a whole lot, which was what was cool about MTV. And in those days, it was 24 hours music videos. There weren't reality shows. There was none of that stuff. It was like a radio station on your television. Well, we had in our home in those days in Woodlake, we called it the den. It was this sunken game room with the foot-deep shag carpeting and bean bags and a nice stereo system and a ping-pong table. It's where the kids hung out with the wood paneling. It was so quintessential 1970s and 80s, late 20th century suburbia, and so we had a nice stereo in there. Now my dad had given me this little cassette tape player and you know you put the cassette in at the top and you you know closed it but he'd also given me this little microphone attachment that went to it So before I went to swim practice in the morning, I would take that microphone and put in a blank tape, a TDK 90 or usually a 60-minute tape. You get 30 minutes. And I would put the speaker right by the television in the den. My parents didn't think they needed cable. They thought cable was for kids. And so we had cable television in the den on this tiny little black and white television. So I'd take that speaker, I'd put it right next to the speaker on the front of the TV and we'd head out for swim practice. I'd come home after swim practice and just just mine the tape for songs that I liked. Well, one day, I'm listening through the songs that I get. You get 30 minutes, you get four or five songs, and I hear it, the sound. A worry me, Sawyer, me, Click, and the tape ends. So... Now I've heard the sound, I've heard some of the words, and I remember I would walk around the house saying, modern day warrior, today's Tom Sawyer, which isn't actually the right lyrics in the first part of that song, but I remember I also played competitive tennis at the country club for Woodlake Golf and Country Club. They had a beautiful tennis facility, and I remember I just bought this beautiful Prince oversized racket, and it had a white racket cover. And I wrote on one side of that record cover, Modern Day Warrior, and I flipped it over and I wrote Today's Tom Sawyers. There was already something connecting with me about that song and those lyrics. Well, that same summer, uh, we we went to St. Monica's Catholic Church in those days out in Converse. It's still there. And during the summer, the church would have a youth group. They had a youth group, and for whatever reason, it was all guys in this youth group, and they would organize stuff for us to do, you know, a little outing to land a park or something like that. In this particular case, it was going out to do horseback riding at Fort Sam Houston. I grew up almost on an exact midpoint between Randolph Air Force Base, where my dad worked for 32 years, and the U.S. Army's Fort Sam Houston. And they had, you know, Fort Sam Houston used to be the home of the cavalry here in Texas when they had to go out and shoot all the Comanches and the Apaches and the Mexicans, no offense. And so they had a pretty significant stable complex out there at the time. And you could go, I think, for $2. You go for an hour-long, you know, horseback ride, clip-clop, clip-clop. It's great. Great to do something different. Well, in those days, the youth group was not supervised by an adult. It was supervised by older people in the youth group who could drive. And in this case, they were driving around in this huge old pickup truck. And you have to remember, this is 1982. There's no bottled water. There's no seat belts. Nobody wears helmets when they ride a bike. So as they're dropping the kids off in my neighborhood, we drop off one of the last kids, and it's just my brother and myself left in this huge pickup truck. And the guys up front think it will be funny to just speed off, you know, uh, floor. Which, of course, causes my brother and I to go tumbling down the corrugated uh, bed of the pickup truck. But you bang up against the metal bed of the pickup truck. Nobody's hurt. Just ha, ha, ha. Good one. As I'm crawling back to my spot on the wheel well, a cassette tape has come sliding out from underneath the toolbox that's on the back of that truck behind the cab. And I pick it up. And I look at it, and the first thing I notice there is a this girl on the front. She's not wearing a bikini or anything like that, but it's obvious she has a very nice figure. And I turn it over, and I start reading through the songs and all these weird things. What's a red beretta, red barshita, red prosciutto? What, you know, Xanadu? All this stuff Olivia Newton John saying that. And then I get to Tom Sawyer, and I think this has to be that song. This has to be that sound. And so, hey, finders, keepers, I put the cassette in my pocket. When I get home, I sit down in the beanbag. I pull it right up to where the stereo is. I plunk in the tape on the side that's Tom Sawyer, and I just start listening. My dad had also given me an old 1960s-era set of Koss over-the-ear headphones. These things weighed like 27 pounds, but they were really good headphones. And so that was how I discovered Rush. In their element, it's a live album, exit stage left, and I finally hear that entire song. And I think I probably sat in that bean bag for the next... 72 hours without eating or drinking or sleeping. I was just absolutely blown away. Well, that same summer, I got a little side hustle. Uh, I was like house sitting gig. A friend of ours, friends of ours, from my my dad knew and we had known the whole time that we'd lived in Woodlake, the Wilbers. Took a vacation like many families did in the summertime, and my job was to go over there in the morning, and I had their house key on a little piece of yarn around my neck, and you know let myself in and feed the cat and clean out the cat box or whatever. Well, like many Americans, they had a family room or a living room with a stereo. And in those days, the stereo systems were huge compared to – you know, today you can get all that on your phone and, and the same quality of sound in an iPod or a, a phone and some really good headphones or earbuds. In those days, the stereos were pieces of furniture, and it came with a shelf to put the speakers on, but it also had shelves to stack your albums. Or in this particular case, in Mr. Wilbur's case, he had them like a bookshelf, and so I'm thumbing through them. And I'm going through, I'm going through, I'm going through, and I come to one, and it's a, it looks like a king who's sitting on a throne, but it looks like the king is dead. And I look at his Rush, a farewell to kings. Oh, let me look at that one. And I get there's another one there, Rush Hemispheres. And so that's all. Those are the only Rush albums he had. I expected him to have all the crap my parents had at home, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. And so I, I take it out. Uh, Mr. Wilbur had a stereo very much like my parents', really nice stereo uh, back at home. It had this special thing. A special needle you put in the turntable where you could actually stack the albums on top of one another. So the first one finishes playing, clunk, the next one falls down and it plays. And so I listened to Farewell to Kings and that first song comes on, Farewell to Kings, kind of that renaissance sounding, and then it goes into the music. And 40 years ago, As is true today, I've always hidden a very embarrassing secret about me, uh, and that is I am terrible with simple math. What's 100 minus 12? 72. Wait, 78? No, 82. Uh, it's just that bad, right? That bad. However, when saving redemption for my teachers and my parents and high school guidance counselors, is I'm very good with literature and reading and speaking, so I have some hope for my future. While well, I'm reading through these lyrics on a farewell to kings and then hemispheres, and these aren't just lyrics. It's poetry. It is absolutely poetry. And I remember, I, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I took Mr. Wilbur, Wilbur's albums home and I made cassette copies of them as much as I could. I was running out of tapes by this time and I took them back. It was later in that year where I found out I had missed uh, one of the albums he had, All the World of Stage, the live album before Exit Stage left. He let me have that. And so I now have this amazing collection of Rush songs, both studio and live albums. And it's just, I'm just totally into this band. Forty years ago to this very day, it is exactly the music I've been looking for. So much of the other, and these were great bands. These were great bands, Van Halen and Journey and Ario Speedwagon, all this. So much of the music was, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, well, That wasn't my thing. I didn't need to live vicariously through a a band when it came to girls. I had a a girlfriend. I had a lot of girlfriends in Woodlake. I was not using any drugs at the time. So the rock and roll and to have that great music combined with what I considered poetry, lyrical poetry. I am just blown away. I've just, all these other bands that were sort of my favorites, they have all been moved down a peg. I don't have a few favorite bands. I have one favorite band. And it started 40 years ago. Well, another thing I remember very, very well about 1982, as we moved into the school year, I have left my best friend behind at Kirby Junior High School. No, he didn't fail. He was just a year below me. And so he's got one more year of school before we reunite at Judson High School. I'm going into my sophomore year at Converse Judson High School. And it's not like it is today. You can't FaceTime with somebody. We don't have Snap Face and Insta Chat and Talk Tick and all that stuff. It's like, hey, I'll see you in about a year at, at Judson, okay? No big deal. Well, I'm out shooting baskets one day at the elementary school near my house, waiting for dinner to get ready. You know, in between the being dropped off from school and dinner time, these are the kind of things you would do: shoot baskets, play Nerf football, or whatever. And I'm shooting baskets with a young guy from the neighborhood named Sean Richmond, who was also a year below me. And he's one of the really good kids in the neighborhood, never got in any trouble. Uh, He was also one of the smart kids. And Scott was one of the smart kids, and they all had the same classes together, and they all knew each other. And so we're just shooting baskets, and I just matter-of-factly said, hey, Sean, how's Scotty doing? Oh, he's doing great. You know Scott." But man, he is driving us crazy every day in class, showing us this drum solo. And I was like, drum solo? What are you talking about? It's like, yeah, yeah, he's air drumming this drum solo. He won't stop talking about this drum solo. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's the name of the song? I don't know, I don't know. I said, what's the name of the band? He goes, I don't know, I think it. I said, is it Rush? And he goes, yeah, 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 that's it. I said, is it YYZ? Yes, yes, Jason, every day in class, he's explaining it to us, and he's telling us he's the greatest drummer of all time. Well, back at my house uh, in Woodlake, I am doing exactly the same thing. I have gone to Dackbert's Music on Walsham Road and bought a pair of drumsticks, even though I don't have a drum set at home. But I've taken these pillows from around the house, a little circular pillow, a little square pillow, a, the, my, my bedroom pillow, and then a backrest for the bass because they all had different sounds and textures. And at night, I would bring that little cassette player up that my dad had given me, and with a special jack now, I can plug in those really good Koss headphones, and I do the same thing at night. I try to work my way through that drum solo on YYZ, and it was just so funny because uh, Scott Cooley, who goes on to be my oldest and dearest friend, for whatever reason, has discovered this band, specifically this song and that drum solo, and I'm obsessing about it, too. Well, in October 40 years ago of 1982, with my birthday money... And money that I've saved from mowing lawns all summer, I would go out and buy with my own money my first Rush album. I still have it. It's Signals, released in October of 1982. And I get home, and it's a big production. You take it out of the plastic, and you take the, the sleeve out where you get to see the band. But what I'm interested in is the lyrics. And so I turn it over, and the first song is Subdivisions. And I start reading sprawling on the fringes of the city in geometric order, an insulated border in between the bright lights and the far unlit unknown. I am sitting exactly there in the subdivision of Wood Lake, 6715 Cypress Lake. Even though our address said San Antonio, Texas, 7244, we don't really live in San Antonio. We live in between the bright lights of San Antonio, Texas, and the far unlit unknown. And that's it. Forty years. The bond will never be broken. I just was absolutely molded and folded into that band, and I ended up not really liking subdivision No, no, not the album. I loved Subdivisions. I didn't really care for all the songs on the album, but like I said, I think Rush already had this great, catalog of songs and albums. And I went to the Signals tour. That was my first Rush concert. And like I said, 40 years later, the bond has never and will never be broken. But when I go back and, and look at how I discovered Rush, that exit stage left coming sliding out from underneath that toolbox, it's almost like it was meant to be, and I'm so glad. 40 years in and I'm still discovering, rediscovering songs that I love from what is in my opinion absolutely one of the great bands of all time. Of course, a band that generates a lot of loyalty From their fan base. Imagine if you could do that with your banking brand. Hey, it's a tagline of the show. If your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Rush has been doing it with me for 40 years. Thank you so much for listening to a special, special end of summer edition of the Power Performance, the show that asked that question. If your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Join us next week. We've got the president of the independent community bankers of Minnesota, the entire state of Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota joining us. You don't want to miss that. They got a new name and they've got some new energy up in Minnesota, so we're going to talk to Jim Amundsen next Friday. My name is Jason Dyes, and until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care.